our discussion for today, the topic is society resets. Uh, so like, like previous generations that were shaped by uh, war or military drafts or the depression, uh, my personal generation's coming of age story is shaped uh, by tracing a line through uh, things like Columbine uh, and the, the shooting when I was a kid, 9-11 uh, or the 2008 recession. And now uh, we have another in COVID-19. And so uh, what we're jumping off today is that crises reset society. And sometimes that compounds suffering, like, for example, the rise of Islamophobia after 9-11. But other times uh, when, when, when society resets after a crisis, this can transform us into a more just or compassionate or beautiful society. And uh, as our discussions over the last month and a half uh, here at the church have been diving into, uh, we, in this church, we don't believe God is secretly behind the terrible sufferings that reset our society, but we do believe that the God that Jesus shows us can, is on a mission to redeem those terrible sufferings and can use them to transform us. And so this is much of the message of the Old Testament, of the Bible, when we read the prophets uh, that make up so much of the Old Testament scriptures. And this is a big part of the message of Jesus uh, to his first century Roman world. And so we want to discuss that. We want to talk about where do we see Jesus as the society reset happens that we're going through right now, as it unfolds with COVID-19 and the shelter-in-place reality that has upended everything and is making all sorts of previously unexamined assumptions very examined. Uh, so we want to discuss that. And uh, as Abby said, we would love your comments and your questions uh, about this topic. Uh, please participate that way. Abby will be watching and we'll kind of rope her in at some point to see if there's any, uh, any things uh, rising to the surface or any themes going on that should guide us as we go along. Uh, and I want to invite in Kyle Hanwalt, our co-pastor, uh, also uh, um, today. And then we also want to invite in our friend uh, Val Buchanan. Val uh, and I share a spiritual mentor, so she's become a fast friend. And uh, Kyle, through his work with the nonprofit in Evanston Books and Breakfast, uh, has known Val for a number of years, and the insight that she can bring to uh, conversations about Jesus and society and community and justice. Uh, this year, she's been connecting with BLC, so we're thrilled for her help to uh, to lead us in this discussion, both as someone who is of a different generation than Kyle and myself and a different perspective and different background than Kyle and me, uh, and as someone who works with college students uh, at Northwestern University, uh, which we think gives her an extra level of uh, awareness of society resets as we're talking about them. Uh, because the good that comes out of these resets are often led by youth. They're often led by those who are coming of age and you know have fresh eyes to see what needs to change in society. So Val will be a partner in our conversation today. Uh, to start off, uh, Kyle and Val, um, what has been your personal experience with societal resets? What, what's your personal experience with this one that we're in right now? Yeah, um, you know, when I, I think about it, you know, Vince and I went through the same kind of big uh, historical events that kind of in many ways shaped the way that we interact with the world um, as people in our mid thirties. Um, and I think the age you are when we go through these things, I think has a lot to do with how they influence us. And I think that's why I'm really, I, I'm thankful to have Val on here who is working because uh, with college students at Northwestern, because for me, the biggest societal kind of historical event and that has really kind of influenced and shaped me 
he has was uh, graduating college uh, right as the 2008 recession hit. And I think for me, uh, finishing school and just having no jobs anywhere and having almost all of my peers uh, underemployed at best uh, and just in this place that felt uh, deeply uh, disillusioning. And I think the way that I think about what it was like for me to go through the recession is it was kind of the final nail in the coffin for the American dream narrative. It was this idea that like, if uh, I try hard enough and follow these steps, that there is opportunity for me. And I think for me, finishing college and then finding a kind of a dramatic lack of opportunity uh, was kind of the sense of like, okay, so I guess that's not how the world works. Like this isn't uh, some kind of fair system where if I follow the steps, then therefore opportunities offered to me. And what that meant for me is I think that there was both uh, some, some threat in that. I think that's why we're talking about it today and what I want to think about with COVID. The threat for me in what does it mean that I feel like the narratives I were given don't exist anymore. But then there was also some opportunity for me of saying, okay, well maybe life isn't just about what job I have. Maybe life isn't just about the money and possessions and ability to buy a house. So what is value to me? And so for me, I actually found Jesus really showing up and showing me a little bit more on a deeper level of who I was. And so when I think about where we're at today, I recognize there are some very similar threats to us right now on how we can react to this. And then I think there are some ways that I think Jesus can actually show up to uh, really bring a sense of renewal or new vision for how we understand things. Yeah, certainly the, the uh, imagine Jesus in particular um, would kind of call into question a lot of that American dream ethos. So uh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Val, how about you? Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, good morning. It's great to be here with you today. I'm very comfortable with the ethos of this church, so happy, happy to be joining you today in this way. Um, so yes, I'm a different generation, but just barely. So I was born in early 70s, so I just had a birthday actually before uh, stay-at-home orders went in place. I turned 47. Um, so my coming of age time, I, I do agree how old we are when these major life events happen matters. And um, in the early 90s and mid 90s, uh, that was like really an interesting developmental period for me. So late teenage years, college years, and just out of college, this was the time uh, there was a lot of new information that I was gathering about because I grew up in the Detroit area and in the border town of El Paso, Texas, right in the border of Juarez. But it wasn't until college years that I was really wrestling with like, the dynamics of the, the situations that I had grown up in. So if you remember, police officers were acquitted in the Rodney King beating in the early 90s. There was like race riots happening in LA. I ended up in LA right out of college and that was right during the OJ Simpson trial. I know college students these days are becoming more familiar with that story because there's been new documentaries um, about it. So, um, but that was like a really, really important time and I was, living and working during that time at a very large rescue mission on Skid Row in LA. So understanding the complexities of homelessness, understanding that people who are experiencing homelessness were separated by race. Um, at that time, this is in the mid, mid 90s. Um, being in a very large service industry and seeing the dynamics around that. So my trajectory in life 
how I saw myself, how I understood privilege was, was majorly shaped by that. And also my thinking about my, how being an American has shaped me. So this is like Gulf War time, Desert Shield and Desert Storm, live news broadcast for the first time from like the front line. So I was also newly engaging faith in what it meant to be like a spiritual person. So examining systemic racism, thinking about foreign policy, thinking about our complicity um, in, in all of those things. So like having like doubling down on like, wow, um, a real humbling of like understanding my positionality and my mindset. And then thinking about themes around justice and equity and kind of jettisoning uh, um, what I had grown up with a little bit more of like a charity mindset, uh, right? So all of that was being like heavily challenged. Um, and so, yes, I've been working with college students now for over 20 years. So I've kind of like perpetually now been living and working in this space of what's happening in our world, in our society, when students are at that period of life where events are extremely shaping. Um, and I recognize in this particular societal reset, which we don't even know exactly all the effects that it will have, um, there, is a, there is a newness to understand that we're experiencing this in very different ways, depending on social identities, even depending on if we're parenting. So I'm single, I don't have dependents, I live alone. So the way I'm experiencing this stay-at-home order is very different than, let's say, Vince or Kyle um, and others. Um, also, I'm understanding privilege. So I can shelter in place. I can practice safe hygiene. I don't have underlying medical vulnerabilities. I'm not being persecuted or scapegoated because of my race. Um, I have enough food and supplies. So I'll, on a lot of these fronts, I'm recognizing that a tremendous amount of privilege, um, but also very affected, right? Um, my job is heavy about being with people. I started the stay at home time being quite sick. Um, that kind of changed my experience of, of coming into and kind of processing mentally. I like to produce. I am a, a two on the Enneagram for those of you familiar with that. I'm a helper. And so, um, just having a whole different kind of uh, way of thinking about how I engage with people and how I even learn how to share what I need during this time has been super challenging. And someone who's flirted with depressive spells, a melancholy personality, um, just thinking about questions of self-care, which has been a topic uh, in recent weeks here in, in this community. So question, questions around processing weariness and grief and sadness, all this internal work, right, that we're all doing tending to our inner lives, super important, while we're also thinking about these like larger systemic values and goals and the ebb and flows of how we're, how we're learning about the injustices in our society in, in new ways. I'm, I'm struck, Val, as you share and, and, and how, it, how it, it doesn't seem like you have to choose between um, like your eyes being opened to like when, when, when a reset happens, suddenly you see with whole new eyes, your world around you. And often you'll see things that are very heavy, things that are unjust, things that you didn't see before. And now you're like, how could I have not seen those things? But then also there, that, that doesn't take away any of the perspective that you have on your own life and how your own, your own experience of life is affected maybe in negative ways by this reset. Or uh, what I'm struck by is you didn't have to choose between those things. And, uh, and, and I think 
something about this like eye opening, being able to see more, uh, per, like it, 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 rather than make that make us feel uh, if we're a person who who uh, it, it, like experiences privilege in our world, rather than leave us feeling guilty for the privilege we feel uh, because we see all of these things, rather we feel more compassionate toward these things because it's sort of oh my my eyes are open to see. You said something in the midst of what you were sharing. I thought I would I would love to hear you say more about how you moved away from a charity mindset and towards something else. Uh, tell us more about what you meant there. Yeah, I think, you know, right now we see a lot of mutual aid groups popping up everywhere. And the idea around mutual aid, right, is neighbor helping neighbor, a, a flattened structure of understanding that we're all givers and we're all takers, not a one-way giving mindset. And so I think we've come from spaces, I think that the church has been very complicit in this, and but the world as well. We categorize and we see needs we funnel money to solve problems. Um, we expect that the answers won't come from communities effect, most affected. And so we have a lot of dysfunction, right, in the way we, we think about that. So like really changing mindsets to think about asset-based development approaches, to think about how really um, God complexes, right, among those who are in a uh, uh, giving position, so quote unquote, um, is extremely destructive. Um, and so we can think about um, the, the needs and assets of everyone, every community and every person in that way. But we're not really set up to do that. So in, in the past, we've been really set up to like have a more of a paternalistic approach to these things. So turning that all on its, on its side. And I was very struck when I was, when I was living in LA during those years, I was actually a 22 year old very overwhelmed at, wow, people who've gotten into this space with good intentions are now very dysfunctional in the way that these things are playing out and everyone is being hurt, every stakeholder. Um, and so how do I not get caught up in that? How do I, how do I understand myself and operate in different ways? I think that that's uh, an interesting piece of what's happening right now is I think like in, in the past when we're talking about crises and problems, it feels uh, either it's like directly affecting you or it's directly affecting somebody else. And we're in a space right now where what is happening is affecting all of us. And I think there's a sense of like, uh, we see the different ways we react to what's going on here um, based a lot off of our, our backgrounds, our culture and our, our privilege and, what's, and what we're able to do. Um, but I also think that there's a, this is to me where some of the opportunity of this moment is, is recognizing that uh, in this space here, like I am struggling as well, and that, that I, I am not also, I'm not somehow like arrived and okay in this place, and recognizing that a lot of the structures in our society is affected who is suffering uh, more acutely in this, but that I'm actually not removed from it either, like and that this is something that I'm experiencing in this moment. I think for me, that's where Jesus, I think, tends to live, is in those spaces where when we're looking at the challenge of the world around us, uh, is inviting us to first look at ourselves before we're actually looking at the things uh, outside of us. I wonder um, about the, even even the this, this a very appropriate phrase that you used, Val, uh, God complex, in terms of what does it mean for us to 
Um, like if, if, so say uh, we're, we're uh, agreeing that like, hey, this is resetting society and we need to understand what it means to um, see those who are in need in this situation and be helpful and be compassionate and be, and be more just. But uh, there, there are sort of two ways to go about that. Um, and, and I think, you know, like we, th this classic phrase of like God complex where you have this kind of like, oh, there's givers and there's takers, like you were mentioning before. And what I'm struck by is a, a little bit of the, um, if we can, if we can um, punt again to some of the discussion that we've been having as a church uh, from a theological perspective, we've been talking about how Jesus, the way that he situates God in our lives, he, he encourages us to look to God is actually not as like the overriding puppet master who's just like letting life play out and, you know, watching it and think, oh, what a great story. Like uh, the, the God complex, according to Jesus, is not actually above and, you know, like, oh, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm dropping food down into the fishbowl for my little, uh, my little fish who need, who, who need food. It is actually Jesus who, who shows us he, he, God becomes human with us and walks into suffering and does not run from that. In fact, that's the, that's the, the pivotal point in the life of God, according to Jesus, which is not being distant, not being far away, not being separate, but coming and being among us and experiencing all of the injustice, experiencing all of the betrayal, all of the loneliness that we experience, and then showing us that we can move through that, that death doesn't have to have the last uh, word in that story. And so it, it's interesting, like we, we, do, we, we don't wanna have the God complex as we classically use that phrase, but what if we had a Jesus complex in terms of how we were helpful in society, how we, how we experienced collective trauma and crisis and then let that shape us and make us more like Jesus. And so I, I'm just curious, like this is, this is kind of the question that we wanna bat around, like where are we seeing Jesus in the midst of what is unfolding? Again, like, like we said, we're not done yet, but where, where are we seeing Jesus in this? And I would be curious to punt that to anybody who's, who's uh, viewing in. Like, are there ways that you are seeing, whether it's through these mutual aid networks or whatever, uh, you see in your local circles, in your life, just it, it, the, the people in your orbit as you're sheltering in home or as you're you know, watching in on what's happening around us in the globe, what do you, where do you see Jesus in this? Where do we see ourselves shaped for the better to become a more just and compassionate society? You know, to me, uh, Jesus exists within the place of self-sacrificial love, um, exists. And I think what I see happening, what I see, saw a lot growing up for me, coming from a place of privilege, was a lot of uh, this kind of charity mindset, this God complex that I was talking about, which really costs almost nothing. There's no, uh, for, for, from a person of privilege, I'm, I'm giving only from a place where I feel like I have excess or I feel like it doesn't actually really cost anything from me. And in fact, for me growing up in Evanston, often when I saw things hit a roadblock, it's when all of a sudden some kind of systematic shift would actually cost the people with privilege something, where if all of a sudden you hit to a point where you're like, oh wait, maybe the changing of the school systems means that my child won't have a thousand more opportunities than the next kid. Uh, and then that's where it kind of stops. And I think we're in a place right now where all of a sudden, for the sake of our country, we're being asked to make some sacrifices. And I think for some people, that is a really difficult process and because these, they're heavy things. And I think right now what I see is the, the things that are saying, am I really willing to sacrifice something of myself for something beyond myself? And I think to me where I see Jesus showing up 
is kind of the changing of my frameworks of do I, do I want to be part of something in this world where it's becoming something more only if it doesn't cost me anything? Or am I willing to cost issues of comfort and other things in order to see the society be what it is? And I think the model of Jesus would lead to one conclusion kind of rather definitively. Man, that's hard though. It's like the, the cost thing. I don't know, like I, I'm, I, we can take this wherever it goes, but I'm just curious, like, is there an experience of, of uh, embracing that cost uh, where I just felt like, oh yeah, absolutely. That, that cost me something, but it was so worth it because I saw this bigger perspective. I saw this bigger thing happen. That was so much more than just my comfort or my, my convenience. I think it's worth noting. So I, I've gotten into Richard Rohr in these last years quite a bit, and he talks quite a bit about how we don't ever, you know, choose hard suffering. You know, it, it's not our preferred path to growth and learning. Um, so it's usually forced upon us, right? It's life circumstances. In this case, there's like a global set of circumstances that are forcing things, but sometimes it's very personal, depending on our social location, our jobs, our relationships. Um, I was laughing. I, even during this time, my computer popped up, you know, and asked me if I wanted to update. I always put that off, you know, like the computer updates. I'm never patient at the time and like choosing to do that because I'm like pressing forward, but, um, we don't really choose it, but when it's forced upon us, then there is decisions we have to, about how welcoming, how, how much are we going to embrace that or really lean into that? And just thinking about like our personal work is one thing, but also solidarity, right? What does it mean to like have an eye to not returning to a broken normal? Um, because now we're like seeing all this creative stuff happening, right? Like we have people experiencing homelessness who are in hotels right now. We have like no evictions. We have free Wi-Fi hotspots popping up and Chromebooks being given out. We have food distribution. We have all the gifts of artists. Like we're leaning into them in new ways to give us life and hope. Uh, we're, we're valuing teachers in a new way that we don't normally value them in society. Yeah, we totally are. Yeah, so I think that there's something to be said of like the embodiment of our suffering or the challenges. We don't choose, but then at this point, we have choices to make what we do with it. There's a real redefinition of like, what is good for me? You know, I mean, I, I think back to Kyle, what you were saying about learning, like kind of experiencing something that that broke down the American dream and how that that was a good thing because it changed your sense of priority and you know like the, there's a sense that like we can get so hyper focused on a certain set of things being what's good for me that like something feels like cost but then you know like it, it, it's interesting when you're when something changes in you when you're transformed by some sort of reset that goes on in your life or in or in the globe or whatever then suddenly you're thinking about it differently and actually you'll experience the same thing and it'll, it'll be life to you. And I, I, I mean, I, I feel like, I mean, this certainly would ring true for me in terms of the resets that, like, I guess the one that I think about the most is 9-11. Uh, I was, um, I, I was a, a freshman in high school. The earlier that year, I'd lost my mom to cancer and then 9-11 uh, happens. And I remember just like, you know, sort of like feeling like it, it does nothing work with what the world used to feel like to me. And, and just being so overwhelmed with all of that. But now, you know, years later, having let those, let that experience shape me and transform me, I, I, am, I am grateful for the way it shaped me. And, I, and I'm, I'm guessing, Val, as you talk about like, you know, your, your eyes being open to so much more than you ever saw before, 
but I would still say that I'm that you you probably say you're grateful for that change. Am I putting words in your mouth, or does that feel true? Oh, absolutely, yeah. You know, I think a lot of these things for me has been: um, am, am I able to find some sort of appealing and um, company in the cost in the loss? And uh, like when I think about the recession, I think for a while I was just really angry. I felt very angry. Like this is unfair. Like I did everything people told me I'm supposed to do and I'm working for $10 an hour and I can only get 15 hours a week. And I just got married and I thought that was supposed to work and now we're married with no money. And this is like, it was, I mean, it, I was really angry and it was probably- the, I've been lied to, yeah. Yes, and it's probably the point where in that, in that anger where I actually felt like God felt the furthest away from me at first. And because the truth is, I, I was that was a that was a wounding within me. The the loss of that American dream, even though I look back now and I'm like, thank God that dream is such a falsehood for me. But in the moment, that loss, and what I actually had to go through is a, is a sense of healing, is a sense of you know what, like God is actually with me in this, and there's something for me, and I'm trying to find a place of reshaping in the midst of it. But to me, like when we experience trauma or loss or suffering. Uh, as Val said, it's like, it's put upon us. And I think that most of us, the initial experience of that, it, we do need to find some healing. We do need to find some kind of redemption of that experience, not validating it in the way that said like, well, that was great, you know what I mean? Um, but in a way that says, oh, you know what? Like there's actually, there's still good for me. This is not leading me down a path of cynicism of like, well, therefore nothing matters because you know, if the, if I graduate college and can't get a job, why do I even do anything kind of thing? And, but breaking down that required some healing from that wound for me. I think of, um, I think of the, the moment of uh, Jesus on the cross, um, this moment where it sort of like most powerfully captures how, uh, how uh, fully human uh, uh, God, the God of the universe is stepping into in Jesus. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that came to my mind when you uh, when you said that in in your anger immediately after all of these dreams are crushing, it's when you felt most distant from God. W uh, would you guys say, Val and Kyle, that um, that there is sort of like a a sequencing uh, when these resets happen, like sort of like we it is natural for us to almost like I'm thinking of like stages of grief that counselors would tell us about. Like there's it's natural to go through a period of feeling like a distance or a confusion or a attention. Uh, only to be brought back into something that um, that brings more solace or brings more hope? I think the healing that Kyle talked about is super important. We can't skip over that, right? Because if we're not able we to remain... skip over it. That is good. Um, like, it, it feels like maybe, the, maybe one of the main works in life is like going through and enduring hard things and not becoming cynical and bitter and, and angry and that staying soft and open in our heart to, to God, to ourselves, to one another, to practicing forgiveness. That's the kind of, of, of healing that's needed in order for us to actually be like, like Henry Nouwen talks about like wounded healers in the world, right? We're not going to be, you know, oozing out like gifts of healing and love to others when we're not able to, to receive that, you know, in our, That's in our the charity mindset, right? Like that, that, that flips it, right? Yeah. And it, I mean, it goes back to identity work, right? I mean, thinking about like who we are and how we understand ourselves, but um, being able to receive healing and then being really attentive to how we're responding to these things is part of the process, right? So it's both looking inward 
intending to where the healing needs to happen, inviting God into those places, inviting one another, um, and then going to our growth edges as well so that we can actually not just stay inward, but to actually be engaging in the social movements of our day, right? To think about what is it going to be like in seven generations? My friend Richard Twist, who was a Lakota leader, he talked about a seven generational leadership lens. Like, what will the environment be like in seven generations if we keep doing what we're doing now? Um, like, that kind of perspective is probably only possible when we have enough healing and wholeness in ourselves that we're able to make different decisions that are not about our current, you know, satisfaction in the moment. Oh my gosh, that, that totally relates to a, a thing that I think, like a good that is coming out of this reset, which is, um, I, I think we're all a little bit fed up with uh, PR moves, but like, like every brand has a coronavirus commercial, you know what I mean? Like, like we're all in this together. Also, don't forget about us, you know, like <laughs> you, buy our batteries. Have you seen car commercials lately? Like we care about you. If you want to buy a car right now, you know, <laughs> you can start paying us in three months. Yes, yes. And it's like, there's something about like, there's something about like the, this kind of all like bringing us back to this idea of like, hold on, like, tr like the people that actually feel like they're, they're, they're with me, it's coming from a deep identity place. Like you're talking about, it's not coming from a PR move, right? Yeah, and I think that in this moment, it's a strange thing because of how long this is going on. You know, I have to you know, think about, you know, like my, my grandmother and, and people that lived through uh, World War uh, and like these long extended things. Like, you know, 9-11 was a moment for me and the recession was, you know, that was a couple of years. Like that was a real thing. But these things that kind of extend for a long time to the point where you're able to be in the middle of them and say, it's going to be different forever after this. And, you know, sometimes my anxiety goes up about what happens when the world returns to what it is. Like, oh my gosh, that's going to be, like, how am I going to adjust back into, like, and it's not going to be the same. And I think to me, sitting in this moment is the opportunity we have of saying, I know I am going to be changed by this. Let me not be passive in that. Let me not let it just fall upon me, but let me try to actively step into having this be something that produces a better version of myself afterwards, which is, you know, I mean, it's easier said than done. But to me, that's a lot of my prayer life right now is, is first just coping with the moment, getting through, finding healing. But then it's like how, trying to figure out how what's happening right now might actually be evolving me into something more than I was before. Well, I want to leave us one last chance for some takeaways uh, here, just to review anything that we'd want to leave everybody with here from, uh, from you, Val, and from you, Kyle. Uh, Abby, uh, is, is there any sense of a theme kind of coming through in the, the chats or the comments that people are resonating with here? Yeah, so um, I think one thing is that it, it's also resonating that we're kind of done with these commercials um, <laughs> coming through. Um, but also this idea that, um, so Morgan mentioned, um, you know, being forced to stay home is putting a more level playing field. And so it, when it's come, like it's specifically in terms of emotional and mental health um, and how this is potentially a way to be fostering a more vulnerable society. Um, and then there's also kind of a conversation too about how, um, you know, it's not, we don't like feel like it's a good thing that this is a, the pandemic is happening to help us like see gratitude, but that is um, kind of a fringe benefit of, of the pandemic. 
Yeah, very good. And even even being uh, grateful in this time is kind of a vulnerable move, right? Because there there is so much going on. And yeah. Any so uh, I'll leave it. I'll leave this sort of open, guys, uh, Kyle and and Val, for any final takeaways here, and specifically on this topic of becoming a more vulnerable society. If if that relates to anything that that you guys were thinking of. Yeah, I would say I was watched uh, this kid president thing that's like, it's like five years old now, but one thing he says, he's like 20 things he's, that uh, he's thankful for, we should be thankful for. And one of them is, is feeling sad. And it's just like, a, and he's like feeling sad because it, it helps us know what's important. And I think uh, in this moment, there is some opportunity for me to like recognize what are the pieces of loss that I'm really feeling right now and, and, and trying to ignore, Think like what are those things that I am feeling some sadness and loss in those, and then trying to figure out a way to bring that to God, bring that to other people to help me understand where the sense of suffering, like what what is this maybe able to teach me about myself, not uh, but also recognizing the need to find healing in that as well. Yeah, I really resonate with that. I think. Um... I think it's a good time to pay attention to the wisdom of our indigenous brothers and sisters, our immigrant and refugee brothers and sisters, our African-American brothers and sisters who have had extended times of grappling with suffering and all suffering, right? Personal societal can open us up to new opportunities for, for learning and loving ourselves in the world, but also so challenging, right? To like um, figure out how to navigate, how to be rooted and attentive to what's happening in our inner work um, in an outer world and to like be able to stay in a place of understanding our connectedness. So like a non-dual place where we're really understanding how, how deeply we need one another, right. And kind of pushing into that. So my sister lives in Kalamazoo, Michigan. She has three, uh, three kids and she's getting interrupted right in the middle of the night to do grief processing with her teenagers who are like, this is the time we're going to talk about like, what does it feel to like lose um, like real felt losses, right. Um, that are happening. So being, being willing to welcome the interruptions, whether they're, if they're coming internally, if they're coming from people in our immediate circles, thinking about like, what does it mean to be a neighbor? Um, all of these things I think requires a lot of vulnerability, which means we have to pay attention to, the, the, the inner work of healing and receiving from God what we need um, and embracing a sense of slowness. I, I don't do really well with that, but um, this is forcing a new kind of slowness, which I think is a spiritual discipline that I've uh, avoided before. So now I'm, I'm, I'm leaning into that. Good words, good words. I, I suppose I, my, the last thing I would throw out as a takeaway is to piggyback off of what you said, Val, uh, which is um, to lean into uh, non-white news sources right now. Um, the, like you were saying, of just getting the perspective of people who are far more familiar um, with um, with suffering, with crisis, with trauma, and in general, like there there are wonderful news sources. I get my news from a lot of different places, but in general, the news sources that will rise to the top of the table or to the to the front of your newsfeed are going to be sources that are that are coming from more privileged voices. And so, uh, a, a really like helpful thing that has just I think it helped expand my world a little bit is a podcast called Pod Save the People. Uh, and this is uh, four young black Americans who host this. They are uh, in activism, they're in education and they're in the social sciences. Um, and uh, they're great to, to uh, have, have a fair amount of uh, name to Ray McKesson and Brittany Patnett. They're just, they're really, really great voices. Um, and I've just learned a ton from them because uh, they, the way they start their podcast every week 
Uh, it's a it's a weekly podcast, and they they do uh, the news that you didn't hear about, and so they just try to like fish out stories uh, that are greatly connected to what everybody is is processing uh, in the world. But they're trying to do that from a perspective that's not often uh, given uh, a full seat at the table. So if that podcast helps you expand your world, like it's helped expand mine, to me that's been that's been a vulnerable thing because I am like privileged person, card carrier number one, like as a white straight male middle class guy. Um, but, uh, but that's expanded my world a great deal. So, uh, well, this, uh, we could, I think we could go on for a while and we, and we will get to, uh, continue to respond, uh, to what everybody has, uh, has mentioned in, in chats or comments and what's been brought up through, uh, Val and, and Kyle here, uh, uh on our podcast later this week. So watch for that. We're going to drop that on, on Wednesday this week. Um, but, uh, for now we'll, we'll leave this, uh, on a cliffhanger, uh, before we, uh, lead to what's next. And uh, can I invite uh, Kevin Williams to pray for us just to kind of let all of this sink in and maybe lean into that spiritual discipline of slowness as Val was mentioning. Kevin, would you pray for us? Sure. Uh, Jesus, we, we say thank you this morning uh, for the chance uh, you've given us to uh, put this topic on the table for discussion and for reflection for each of us. Lord, we thank you that in this time of great disruption, how you've revealed yourself to us. And Lord, you offer yourself as a source to move us from uh, feelings of desperation and disappointment and cynicism to, to one of hope, to one of optimism, to one of uh, self-reflection, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you, you sort of use this time uh, to give us an opportunity to shine a light on ourselves to uh, better understand how we're being changed by this period in our lives. And Laura, we just ask you for more courage uh, to accept the way we're being changed, to not be afraid of that transformation in our lives that you've shown us in how you lived your life, that transformation can lead to something better, to something more hopeful, to something that can be a blessing to a much larger group of people beyond ourselves. And so Jesus, we just, we ask that you continue to open our eyes and our minds to how we're being changed and to how we can lean more into you to put that change into action, to be a reflection to others, to build up others, uh, to help make this a better and more just society uh, for more. And so, Lord, we know that we know that going through change is hard and it's tough. And we just ask, Lord, that you uh, you be there for us as a comforter, as an advisor, as a rock uh, to help us get through this time and to show us. Uh, show us the better future that awaits each of us as a result of it. 
And uh, we just thank you for the love and the grace that you've shown each of us. In your name we pray. Amen.